Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we started here last Wednesday night um, in our series on Have You Ever Wondered? We're dealing with just kind of some issues that kind of come about in the society that we live in and questions that people often have. And I, I think it's fair to say that uh, there is a lot of confusion in the world today. There's a lot of confusion in churches. There's a lot of confusion about what is truth. And, you know, what are we to believe? There are so many different um, philosophies and ideas and doctrines and teachings out there. And there's just confusion. And sometimes people feel almost paralyzed. How can I really know? But I... We're in 1 Corinthians 13, but chapter 14 and verse 33, in the context of all of this that we've been talking about in, in regard to the sign gifts and all that, it, it makes this statement, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Now, there's a couple of thoughts in that. First of all, we can know any confusion. It's not coming from God. And if we want clarity, we need to know what God says, because that brings clarity. But Notice he says he's not the author of confusion, but of peace. So the opposite of confusion is peace. If there's a lack of peace within churches, within homes, within there's confusion. And every evil work, right? But God's not the author of any of that. And so we look to the word of God to find the answers for these things. Because he that dwells in the word of God, loves the word of God, in his Law is, uh, is his meditation, right? Day and night. What, what does the Bible say about that? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. There's stability, there's strength, there's growth. This is what God wants for us. He, he doesn't want us to live confused lives. He wants us to live in the light of the word of God. And so some of these questions we're addressing are uh, issues that, that have been maybe even divisive at times, have been... Uh, just, again, confusing to some, and we're just looking at them from a biblical perspective. And so last week we introduced the concept of the sign gifts. We mentioned uh, specifically uh, speaking in tongues, prophesying, uh, the, you know, the, the impartation of special knowledge. But, but beyond that, we also mentioned things like he uh, healings and miracles and things of that nature... Uh, what are we to do with those things today? There are, there are people who believe that all of this is still in existence, still in common practice today, that it should be normal and natural for someone who has the Holy Spirit living within them uh, to be able to exercise gifts of the Spirit and these sign uh, miraculous types of gifts. And then there are others who say, no, 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 these things have ceased, they, they were done away with, well, what is the Bible's perspective on that? Well, let's, let's look here in 1 Corinthians 13. If you're there, I'll invite you to stand one more time as we read the scripture. Beginning in verse number 8, same text as last week, but we'll just take our time reading through it and let these things kind of soak in as we, as we read them. Charity, verse number 8, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 
For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. So I know we read that last week, but it is a a really important passage of Scripture to understand and even just take the time to think about as we address this issue of the sign gifts. Now, my goal, and this is one of, one of the, hard, the areas that I have trouble in in my preaching, I tend to want to give you the answer. But sometimes the, the, the best preachers and the best teachers are those who simply help you come to the right conclusion on your own. And so I'm trying to kind of hold back a little bit without just blurting out the answer, uh, but, but I, I do think it's important uh, to, to really consider this. We did not necessarily, last week, definitively say all of these things have ceased. We did not definitively say that. However, I think you got the idea that I pretty well believe that the sign gifts are not in existence today in the way that they used to be. Now, the illustration that is used to describe this, that Paul uses, is that issue of going from being a child to being a grown man. And he says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child, I spake as a child, but he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. As someone grows up and matures into adulthood, there there are just things about childhood, the the naivety, the simplicity, uh, the lack of understanding, the immaturity, the foolishness, all of those things start to kind of go away and fade away as we become more um, complete in our understanding. Now, there are some who are here that you've lived many, 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 many decades. All right, I won't go into that. But all of you, I'm teasing you, okay? But, but everyone, even the oldest person in the room, would have to say, I haven't, I haven't figured everything out yet. I mean, sometimes I feel like the older I get, the more inadequate I feel in my knowledge and understanding. And yet the reality is I know a whole lot more than I used to. And every day that passes and every month and every year that goes by, I learn more, I grow more, and hopefully I become more, com- more complete in my maturity, my wisdom. But even in this life, I'm never going to be totally knowledgeable about everything. I'm not going to have total wisdom. It's a process. And so the reason I mention that is because I-, I believe we need to be careful in saying, as some would, that somehow there was a time when these things were all in existence 
in fullness. And then uh, at a specific moment, historically, these things all ceased. And we entered a new era. In fact, if you uh, un- understand and, and, and read through it, the, the Bible, understanding the, what we would call the dispensations, you'll find that even those dispensations uh, were not all marked with necessarily a real clear-cut moment so much as it was a gradual transition from one to the next. And the reason I say that is, uh, for one, it takes people time to come to certain understandings, right? So, for instance, if you go to... Here's one, one of the dispensations that did change in a moment in time uh, would be from the, the, the Old Covenant to the New Covenant when Christ died on the cross, the, the, the veil was rent in twain in the temple, right? We know that. It, 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 there was access to God. From that very moment, all who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ had access to the throne of God through him, the high priest. First time that had ever happened before. That happened in that moment. However, did all of the people who were followers of Christ immediately understand what had happened? Well, no, because halfway through the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15, there's a council that's held at Jerusalem where they're debating whether circumcision is part of salvation or not. Now, it wasn't. It clearly wasn't. But there, all I'm saying is there were questions There were things, it took time for some of these things to come together. So, for instance, those who would would be absolute cessationists, those who say all of the sign gifts ceased upon completion of the Bible, I would have a question for them, because when was the Bible completed? Well, it was completed basically when John wrote the last amen at the end of the book of Revelation. but it wasn't canonized yet. I mean, not everyone had the scriptures. Not everyone knew. I mean, it would actually be a period of 100 years to 200 years of people trying to figure out which books were inspired by God and which ones were not. And there was a a process of trying to determine those things. and, And there wasn't always agreement on that at the beginning. And it took some time for the churches to really grasp the understanding, okay, this is the word that God has given to us, and these don't fit. That's actually why the Apocrypha exists, is because some of that was still debated for a time. You come along even as far as the Reformation, the time of the Reformation, and, and, and some of the Reformers denied, like for instance, uh, Martin Luther. Did you know Martin Luther didn't believe the book of James was inspired by God? And there are, there are some reasons that we're, <laughs> that we're not followers of the Reformers, folks. But we could look at a lot of things. I'm just saying, I think some of this took time, just like the maturity of a man takes time. I don't know that there was necessarily a definitive moment... When these things were done away with and this and the new had come. But, I will say with some certainty and some degree of certainty that the day and age in which we live is a time where the 
gifts, the sign gifts, the miraculous giftings that were given for the specific purpose of verifying the validity of the word of God, as we are today, those are not in existence, nor are they necessary for us. And how can I say that? Well, here's what I can say definitively. We know that prophecies shall fail, according to verse number 8. Knowledge shall vanish away. That, it's not basic knowledge that's natural to humans or that which is learned naturally. This is a, a reference to supernatural knowledge given by God. That's going to be given, that's going to be taken away. And the speaking in tongues would also cease. However, for the remainder of the world, at least, would, uh, these gifts would abide faith, hope, and charity. Verse number 13. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. I find that word now also interesting because it seems to indicate that what Paul is saying at this very moment, here's what we can be sure of. We have faith, hope, and charity. All the way back in the first century, he was already saying, now abideth faith, hope, and charity. So, as we look at that, we understand that these things were not necessary signs, as some would say, of, 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 being, of having the Holy Spirit. And that's what there are people even today that, that believe that until you speak in tongues, for instance... You really cannot be sure of your salvation because you, you, get, you get saved when you believe on Christ and then you get baptized and then at some later moment you receive the Holy Ghost and it's manifested. He manifests himself through these signs and wonders. And so until you have received the Holy Ghost and manifested these signs, you have not been sealed. That's what they would say. Well, that, that contradicts a whole lot of scripture, because what does the Bible say? That he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. And those who have believed on him, if we have received him, we have his spirit within us. But even all the way back then, these were not the signs that proved whether someone was truly a child of God. What is, after all, the fruit of the Spirit? Well, Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. And all of these things are the manifestations of the Spirit of God working through you as evidence that you have believed. So it wasn't the miraculous signs that identified someone as a genuine believer. These things were simply given... In a period of time when there was confusion about who was right and who was wrong and how do we know what to believe, God would confirm the word through signs and wonders. Not for those who believe, but for those who believe not. Now, fast forward to where we are today. Leaving out a few fringe, strange people out on the edges... Most, and when I say most, I mean almost all people who even claim to be Christians know and understand that the 66 books that we hold in our hands 
are God's revelation for man. We don't have question on that. There's very little debate today about which books of the Bible belong in there. Uh, the, the, the canon has been settled. And so that raises the question, do these things still exist? Well, we're going to address the issue of tongues another time. But tonight I want to look specifically at this issue of prophecy and ask this question to you. Is God still speaking today? Is God still speaking today? Now that's a bit of a trick question and I will admit that because in order to answer it accurately you have to kind of define what we're talking about. So if I just simply say, is God still speaking today, half of you would probably say yes and the other half would say no, and you might both be right. Because God is still speaking today in the sense that the Holy Spirit is still very much at work in the lives of people. He's working to bring the lost to salvation. He's working to guide the saved into all truth. We know that God is at work, and we even, we sing about that, right? And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own, right? We, we, we consider and understand there is a personal relationship with God that we have. And I'm thankful for that personal relationship. I'm thankful that there's communication between God and me, and it's not all one-sided, and I'm able to pray and talk to the Lord and seek his guidance and seek his leadership. And he speaks to me through his word and, and even uh, guides me through uh, various, various ways that are almost mysterious and hard for me to even put into words. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we talk about having peace about something. Uh, but if, you, if you've ever experienced that, you're praying about something and you really... Um, have sincerely prayed about and you're seeking the Lord and you're seeking his word and you're seeking counsel and then it just seems like there's a peace that comes over your soul you know what you're supposed to do in that sense could we say that the Lord is speaking well yes we could certainly say that the Lord is speaking in that way however we need to be careful in 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 ascribing things to God that did not come from God. And so I'm even careful. You know, I, I hear people say, I hear Christians say, I hear pastors say, and I probably even said it before, have said it before, but I, I, I think we need to be very careful about things like this. Well, God told me this. Why do we need to be careful about that? Well, for one, how did he tell you? For another, has anyone ever thought God told me this and been wrong? Our, our relationship with God is very personal and it is very real but we need to be very careful in claiming that God has said something. Why? I don't want to be guilty of attributing to God 
something that was dreamed up in my own mind. I want to be very careful not to say, thus saith the Lord, if God has not said it. God does, at times, lead us in such a way that He gives us an inner peace about His will. And I would say this, that there, there are times in our walk with the Lord where we can become very confident that as I'm praying about this and seeking the Lord, that this is the direction that He is leading me to go. And we ought to be sensitive to that. We ought to always be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. But just be careful about saying, God said, if you're not sure that God said it. Now, that's an issue that we have maybe in churches like ours. But if you were to go outside of uh, churches like ours and find other churches out there that maybe are more open to this idea of continuationism, this concept that prophecies and things continue to this day, you might find people who would even lay hands on other people and make a proclamation about something that God has told them about this person. I remember one time being out on uh, visitation, knocking on doors, and we came across a woman who claimed to be a prophetess. And in talking with her, uh, in the middle of our conversation, she stopped and looked up. And then she looked at me. And she started to tell me something about me and where I was going in life and my future and all this. Listen, this is a common thing that happens in churches, in places where people claim, God just told me this, and word for word. You'll hear even some uh, prominent people at times uh, d describing in vivid detail a conversation they had with God. I, I asked God this, and he said this. And then I asked God this, and he said this. Listen, I'm just saying, friends, you have to be very, very careful. You see, the people who, who believe this, who believe that they know definitively what God said and that they are a prophet, Sent with a message. We had, we had a lady here the other night that was convinced that God had sent her here with a message for the church. Here's the problem. These people that claim that they are modern day prophets would never pass the test, the biblical test of a prophet. What's the biblical test of a prophet? Let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. And we'll begin reading in verse number 20. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 20. It says here, But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Now, I want you to notice something. God said, when someone claims to be a prophet and they are not, the penalty, the Old Testament, the penalty is death. If that was the penalty today, 
Would you say that God had said something unless you were absolutely sure that God said it? I don't think so. But that was a, if, if, But if they presume to speak in my name something that I didn't tell them, or if they shall speak in the name of other gods. And God put those two things on the same plane. Think about the seriousness of this. That would be like this. If I were to stand up here and say to you, God told me this, and I proceeded to tell you a message that had been dreamed up in my heart or my mind, in God's eyes, that's on the same plane as me coming up here and saying, Baal told me to say this. If I presume to speak in God's name that he didn't tell me, or I speak in the name of a false god, same, same issue, same penalties. That's pretty serious. Now, read on a little bit further. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? Okay, how do I know who's a true prophet and who's not? Verse 22. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. So, the Lord said, the test of a true prophet is when they speak something in the name of the Lord, it's going to come to pass. And if it doesn't come to pass, they are a false prophet. I'd like to read you an excerpt from something. I don't have the exact quote, but let me. In uh, March, on March 30th of 2020, so this is right at the beginning of COVID, Kenneth Copeland, how many of you have heard of Kenneth Copeland? Okay, very well known, internationally known uh, Pentecostal preacher specifically stated, March 30th, 2020, he specifically stated, I, speaking in the office of a prophet, declare. And here's what he went on to declare. That COVID-19 was done away with. That it was gone. That it would not touch another person that it would not harm another individual, that there would be no more death, no more sickness from COVID-19. And it was finished. And he declared that, after he made this declaration, he declared it over, finished, in Jesus' name. We were in Liberia when COVID hit. And I was invited to preach uh, at a church there, there's a lot of uh, Pentecostalism and things there. Now, just just so you understand, I do not accept invitation. I've never been invited to go preach at a Pentecostal church here in the U.S. and probably never will. But I was there as a missionary trying to reach people. And as I'm interacting with people, once in a while I'd run into a pastor or an evangelist or whatever. And they would invite me to speak in these places. And I thought, hey... Here's a venue of people that are coming to hear the word of God. I'm going to go preach to them and preach the gospel. One day I was invited to come preach at a place called Peace Tabernacle of Praise. 
and I went there, and uh, it was an interesting service to say the least. And it was right there in, in about March or I think late March of 2020. Um, maybe it wasn't quite there because COVID was spreading around the world, but there had been no confirmed cases in Liberia yet. The pastor of the church got up and declared, in Jesus' name, that the coronavirus could not ever enter the borders of Liberia. And folks, it wasn't but a week or two later that the first confirmed case hit there, and within a few weeks there were reports of people dying. It was a, a bad situation. We had in the country, there were two ventilators, two, in a country of four million people. It was a problem. But here's what amazed me about it. When that happened, the very next Sunday, his church was full. Why? Why would those people not say, hey, you said in Jesus' name this couldn't happen, and it did, therefore, you are a false prophet. They didn't. Why is Kenneth Copeland still making millions of dollars off the backs of people who believe him to be a prophet of God? And who will make excuses for things by essentially people who will make excuses for him. Well, nobody's 100%. Listen, folks, I've never done anything 100% ever in my life. But I am not claiming to be a prophet that has a divine revelation from God. And if I were, you know what the, the, the standard is? You better be batting a thousand or you're a false prophet. I'm just saying sometimes we attribute things to God. We, we, treat, it, we treat God's word so flippantly that we act as though we can just say it. Now, there are other people that maybe wouldn't be so bold as to make such a declaration. You know what a lot of modern-day prophets do? They will speak in such a general way that their prophecies can't ever really be proven or disproven. Now, I'm hoping that nobody here has ever been duped by things like horoscopes and psychics and things like that but but the people who are do you know what they do you know what their their standard practice is it's to speak things in such a general way that they always have an out and so it might look like this god told me that if you will by faith give $500 to this ministry right now, God will bless your life in ways that you could never imagine. Now, if you do that, and you walk into your boss's office the next day, and he gives you a 50% raise, you can say, hey, the prophet was right. But if the next day you get hit by a bus, and then a month later you have to declare bankruptcy... That prophet can say, 
well, you didn't have enough faith. So there's no way to really prove or disprove whether they were correct. But they still claim to be a prophet. And so you've got to be very, very careful about these things. And most of these people who would claim that God is speaking through them could never pass that test. Now, very quickly, because I know this is something we've talked about now in a couple different services, I want to just consider what is prophecy? A prophecy in a very general, general sense, the word prophecy or prophesy literally means to give forth God's word. To give forth God's word. So, when you go to the Old Testament, you think of Nathan the prophet, Samuel the prophet, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the minor prophets and Elijah and Elisha and all these guys. What, what did they do? Well, God would speak to them. He would give them uh, truth. He would give them a message and then they were to take that message to Israel. They were giving forth God's word. And in a sense, they were foretelling, right? You need to heed this message and if you don't, here are the consequences. God has said this is going to happen. And what do we find? We find prophecies concerning when the Messiah would come and who he would be. And guess what? Jesus came and fulfilled all of those. Daniel gave prophecies not only about that, but also of kingdoms that would rise and fall. And they did. And he also gave prophecies about the second coming of Christ. He was foretelling things that were yet to happen. But he was doing so with a message that God had given him, and therefore he was prophesying. However, to take the word of God and open it and proclaim with all authority, thus saith the Lord, you know what that is? That is also prophesying. I when I stand to preach, am not telling you some new revelation or new truth that you have not yet heard. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not foretelling anything, but I am forthtelling that which has been written. And I want to show you in just two of many places I could take you in the Bible where the Word of God itself, the Scriptures are referred to as prophecy. So 2 Peter chapter, three, uh, chapter 1 is where we were on Sunday night. And I want you to just notice 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 20. It says here, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. What does that mean, private interpretation? It means you don't need one individual to interpret it for you. No one has the corner on God's message. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This goes back to the issue of inspiration. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration is the Greek word theonoustos. It's a compound word. Theo or theos is the Greek word for God. Noustos is the same word we, we would get things like pneumatic tools, pneumonia. What is it? It refers to air and breath. Theonoustos literally means God breathed. The words that are, were penned down by holy men of God were penned down as God breathed out the words and gave them what to write. Word for word. Inspired of God. Hey, listen. I would be a whole lot more confident in listening to the prophecy of the Theonoustos of God the breath of God, the inspired words of God, than someone, some stranger off the street who claim, comes in and claims to have a message from God. I have a message from God. It's right here. So do you. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Verse number three, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And then go with me to the end of the book, if you would, chapter 22, Revelation 22. And look with me at verse number 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, that is a very serious and stern warning. At the end of all the revelation that God gave, he said, don't add to it. Don't add to it. Don't add to my words. Don't presume to say something that God has not said and attribute it to God. Careful. And don't take away from it. Folks, we ought to treat God's word with such reverence and fear. These people who are so quick to want to produce a new translation... Friend, this is a holy book. These are the words of God. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. You better be careful. You say, well, don't we need God to keep speaking to us? Friend, he's spoken. He's spoken. 
Thus saith the Lord, from Genesis 1-1, Revelation 22, Thus saith the Lord, believe it, bank on it, stand on it. It is the very word of God given by inspiration of God, and you can know his message. And by the way, if you're saved, you have the spirit of truth to guide you into all truth and to bring to remembrance the things that God has said to you. So when you say, does prophecy exist today? I would ask this question. I would counter with this question. Did God give us everything we need in the Bible? Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may, ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What does it say? He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Has God given us everything we need in the Bible? If the answer is yes, then prophecy is unnecessary. So someone would say, well, I believe prophecy continues today, but it would never contradict the Bible. Okay. Amen to that. <laughs> Any true prophecy, God can't contradict himself. Okay, so if it's not contradicting the Bible, it's aligned with it. And it actually aligns with what the Bible has already said, then it's not really prophecy because God already said it. And there's no need for new revelation because God's given us the revelation. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Well, how do I know what God wants from me? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed unto the prophecy of the scriptures. You say, yeah, but pastor, doesn't 1 Thessalonians 5 say despise not prophesying? Yes, it does. So don't roll your eyes when I preach a little long. <laughs> because I'm prophesying, thus saith the Lord. And you can be confident. And what do I tell you? Don't take my word for it. Go to the book. Go to the word of God. Because in his word, you'll find truth. And it's all the truth you need.